Hey, it's Jim Paff again, and this is the Against Nice podcast, where we believe that nice people are evil because they want to run your lives. We promote culture and government that values voluntary decisions left up to you. This is a way to promote justice and kindness that thinks about the needs of others before ourselves. Go to our website, politicsisntnice.com, and join our email list. The button's right there at the top right, politicsisntnice.com. I'm really excited about this podcast today. We're going to have my friend Ken Johnson. He was for over 25 years the chaplain of the Indianapolis Colts. We've been friends about that long, and it's been an awesome ride with a great friend. We're going to talk about issues that he's dealt with uh, so consistently through his ministry uh, when you talk about what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, is any of this real, what's happening in the NFL with the kneeling, and uh, what? how do we really need to think about what's going on right now through these challenges that our nation is facing. Ken's got great insight into this. We have a really good time on this podcast, and I just uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, here's my interview with Ken Johnson. Folks, just uh, I'm really excited about this podcast today because I got my friend Ken Johnson on the line. We've been friends for a lot of years. A lot, kind of years. Of, lot of years, man. I don't even want to say how many, but uh, yeah, more than a couple decades. I, I just yeah. got to say that. But uh, Ken's yeah, a great friend. He's been a real encouragement to me. He's been an encouragement to many, many people. And um, I wanted to have him on because I'm really in a place where uh, the the whole theme of this podcast, you know, I'm talking about not being nice, but trying to really shift that into something that will speak into society in a positive way, especially right now we're going through this whole Black Lives Matters thing. And I think most people don't understand at all what's really going on. The media ain't saying it. And I think a lot of times, as we're evaluating it, we overreact or underreact. Uh, Ken has been working in this area, particularly when it comes to the whole kneeling issue uh, in the NFL. Ken, just to let you all know, uh, Ken uh, is a uh, former chaplain for the Indianapolis Colts. I think almost, I think 20 years exactly? No, 30. 30 years. Okay, gotcha. 30 years. That, that, that's why? one of the things they gave me. My other, my, other, my other 30 year thing is in my office in my church. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, 30 seasons, so, bro. 30 seasons. That's crazy. That's, it oh. seemed like yesterday, but 30 seasons. It does. I can remember. It was just like yesterday. You know, you, you ended up coming to the church I was going to in Indianapolis and got to know you and became friends. And uh, it does seem almost like yesterday. It seems like, yeah, it was just a little bit ago, just a few years ago. It was a long time ago. And But um, it, it, you – have really been in that situation. A, a little bit more about your biography. You came, you came to Indianapolis from Tulsa. You were a policeman there for yeah, how many years? years. Played play football at Tulsa University, was in ROTC, yep. and then joined the police department and worked for six and a half years. Yeah, it, I mean, and, and you've seen it all, man. I mean, so I, I, there's some great perspectives here because you're living in America as a black person, for you know all your lives we've been around for a while both of us in our 
fifties. Uh, yeah, I th- you're, you're not 60, 60 yet. Are you? This year. 60 this year. That's what I thought. So, um, you've seen it all. I mean, we've got a full range of what society's been like for black folks and there, and black folks have varied, uh, experiences in life. They deal with different things. They come from different aspects of the culture. I mean, I, 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 just tell me this. Do you think some of the negatives that get laid out there for black folks in this country, does it get overstated, understated? I mean, what, what's the real situation there from your experience in life? Well, you know, as you, as you were talking, I couldn't help but think I, I've been responding to a lot of these questions uh, Ray Hilbert, A Truth That Works, uh, several of my pastor friends who just happen to be brothers of lighter color, uh, some of my African-American mm-hmm. brothers who, who, who are kind of having to address this now. And, you know, uh, I guess I would I, I have to say, starting out, I don't speak for all black people. I, I can't. Right. I, I'm a pro-black boy from the hood. I'm a guy who... Mom was a prostitute, dad was a heroin addict, and athletics basically got me out of the hood, and I have a very athletic competition kind of mindset when it comes to, you know, all issues. I've always been in a situation where, you know, I've worked ex- exclusively in a multicultural, multi-generational kind of environment with coaches and players in Dallas where I went to an integrated school. So I've always been in a multiplicity of different cultures, so... You know, but but the flip side, I've always grown up in the neighborhoods predominantly with African-Americans or black people or people of color. So to say that my experience is the experience of every black person would be a little bit presumptuous. And it would also be somewhat presumptuous from the standpoint of, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not one of those brainiac dudes that's got masters and doctorates and, you know, uh, history of, of, of slavery and black history and you know I'm a football player dude so <laughs> when you talk to a guy like me some of those scholarly people would probably say he can't speak for us because he's uneducated he <laughs> he does not have the degrees behind his name even though I have a, a honorary doctorate in theology you know the ministerial stuff so let's just get that straight the second thing is uh I don't want to debate with people I'm not trying to have a proper, uh, a polite discussion with people. I want to enter into dialogues. And dialogue for me is, can you hear what I feel, what my truth is and why I draw my truth? That's why as I talk to you, you ask me questions that people have different opinions on. And so when you ask me, I'm going to respond as a pastor, as an ex-chaplain, as a police officer, ex-police officer, as a boy from the hood who never had a dad. So I have a very limited uh, I guess, background to draw from other than I can totally relate to what it means to live in society. Ray Hilbert asked me something similar. He says, Ken, what does it mean to be a black man in America? I started with saying the first thing I said to you, but by pigmentation, it's always been the precursor of my identity. I'm always seen as the black chaplain, the black father, the black friend. I'm always seen as you know, the, the black professional. If somebody says, okay, well, is he a pastor? And they say, is he the black Ken Johnson or the white Ken? So blackness <laughs> has preceded me. And that's yeah. why I push back yeah. with anybody trying to identify me first by my pigmentation versus my character. I hope that we can take dialogue to the point where you stop calling me and seeing me as a black person first versus a human first who just happens to come from a, 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 a pigmentation that we're now discussing 
that seem to be somewhat inflammatory. <laughs> and, for, and listen, that that's kind of at the that's the basis a basic problem we've got right now yes. in this whole debate is we're not talking. I mean, you and I, we're friends just because we're friends. I mean, it's yeah, never about that all stuff. Friend. I just, yeah. I don't see my friends in their pigmentation. I, I could, yeah. say, I could say from a cultural perspective, we come from maybe a different culture, but our friendship is based on our common likes, our interests. We like football. We like to eat. We love Jesus. We mm -hmm. both like God. In love with God. You know, when mm -hmm. you went through when you went through some trauma and, and, and some issues when you were transitioning from all that affluency that you come from <laughs> and me coming from the hood. I mean, we just we, we, we fellowshiped and became brothers. And yeah. so and so I never saw you first as my white brother. I got so right. many brothers that are imitation because you my brother, because you, I know you got my heart at heart. I know, you know, in your wedding. I mean, dude, we just got history. Yeah. And it's not yeah. based on our pigmentation. That's not what divides us or unites us. Our humanity, our character, our integrity, our principles that we live by, that's yeah. what unites us. Yeah, and you know, people that obviously, <laughs> anyone listening to this hasn't seen the interaction we have, man, we talk about the word, we're talking about what is it that uh, uh, is going on in society in general. I mean, issues of... Uh, black politics or this every once in a while it comes up but i mean we've never we've never been there we've always been I've, talking I've about never, what's never good for families what's good for folks yeah yeah so yeah. I, it, and, and this is and this is i think fundamentally for a lot of people in this country why we're struggling with these issues right now is because we're not talking about things on the oh, human level What's important for mankind? What's necessary? So, and I but, think a lot of point of it is also it's people's motives behind why they speak out of their pain, or do they speak out of their hope, or do they speak out of their, you know, of their desperation? Like, what are the motives behind the the dialogue? And and when you're debating, well, you're set up to lose because somebody debate is somebody wins, somebody loses. Uh, discussion yeah. is just a proper, a polite way of playing nice or doing a debate real nice because if you've already drawn your conclusion on where you're coming from based on the ignorance that you, you've, you've read or, or the ignorance thereof, then you've already lost. And so that's why I start at a place of all of us are ignorant because all of us don't know everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because the smartest person that you think about only knows about 2% of what everything that exists. So you have to leave room for different hypotheses, different theories, different mindsets that are different from yours. Because, you know, no matter how, how, how red you think you are, we all start at a point of ignorance. So mm -hmm. I start with knowing and saying, uh, when it comes to God, uh, I know who he is and I know I'm not him. So that's the first <laughs> place. The second thing is, it's what I learned after I know it all that counts. If I'm the smartest guy at my table, my table's too small. And if I'm not willing to listen more than I talk, then I'm out of bounds. Yeah. And so my wife just came in here. Say, say hi to Della. I'll do a podcast. <laughs> hi, Della. <laughs> How are you doing? 37 Beautiful years. lady. She's a, man. I you are. She, uh, she's a blessed sister in Christ. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. She's lucky to have me. She is. <laughs> uh-huh. She says, uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for visiting. I'm 
Could he just call me and ask? Okay. No worries. Thank you, darling. No, no good. Excuse me, audience. That's, life happens, you know. <laughs> it does. Well, Dell's a great lady, and she's uh, – I know she, you guys have just done tremendous things together. And, and I, I think, um, again, back to the human level of all this, we've, we've just got general challenges as a society, and as we're watching this particular thing play out right now, tearing down statues – uh, you know, getting angry about what's happening with police. Um, I, I do want to ask, because do, do, we, do we have a problem with race in this country? I mean, it, in ter- in, not in the sense of uh, racism and white supremacy. I mean, maybe we'll talk about some of that stuff. But I'm saying, is that a problem in a, in a real broad sense in this country right now, in your opinion? In, in, in the level of one to ten based on what I see as the biggest problems facing America, uh, racism is not at the top of my list. Yeah. It's an issue that I know exists because racism has always and will always exist to a certain extent yeah. because of prejudgment. And so that's all racism is. It's just segreg- I mean, inflammatory prejudgment. We have these notions and conclusions based on the information that we have. And so to this point of, you know, what, what, what most, most people right to ask me, what do I think about the Black Lives Matter movement? And so for me, I go back to my humanity and not trying to be identified with Black first. And my response is that uh, all lives matter. And so the pushback from all lives matter is this place of, you sent me a video that really depicts that we don't talk about all the millions of Black babies that have been murdered. We don't, we, we're real slow to talk about all the, the, one, the, 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 the hundreds of thousands of our, our children in the streets and gangs that are killing one another at record number. Mm-hmm. The number of officers that unfairly and unjustly are murdered and killed in response to some type of actions that we feel because one person did something negative, all the rest of them are linked into the same category. We don't talk about all the rapes and, and molestations of all the, the sex traffickers who, who traffic people of color and that the lives that they have. We don't talk about the lives that were sacrificed for the freedoms that we take for granted by all my white brothers and sisters in the abolition movement and the movements of, of slavery and the Underground Railroad and all these places that many people laid their lives. We don't talk about the lives that were sacrificed in the protest in the 60s and the and the, and, and, and the whites that really laid their lives on the line that, why don't those lives matter? We talk yeah. about the kneeling and the injustice of the kneel, but we forget to talk about that together we stand and divided we fall. Yes, the, 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 uh, the national anthem and some of the history behind uh, the, the origin of it is, is somewhat explosive and divisive, but we, we forget to talk about the, the, the hundreds of thousands of people whose lives were sacrificed for the sake of freedom yeah. and that we take for granted. And so we're going to talk about the lives that are sacrificed because of pain and oppression, where we just can't stop with, with one distinct group of individuals be singing out to be more, more superior or, 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 or their issues more, more prevalent because that's going to be the issue because it's hypocrisy to me because I'm not going to lie. 
if, if, if anybody would run around here saying white lives matter, I would say two also as well, but not Absolutely. just that. Like, so I, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Yeah. And then when I study the movement behind anything, it's a political movement more so started by a population of people that, that, that I think uh, uh, have, a, have a, 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 an agenda to profit off of pain. And yeah. they pimp pain. And, and, yeah. and as a black man, I see the hypocrisy in you doing the very thing you don't want done to you. And mm-hmm. so now it's like, okay, who's going to stand up and say, and, 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 and when I do this, I'm called an Uncle Tom, I'm called a sellout, I'm called a, a, a white boy, all these things. But what you won't call me is not true, and, and not brother who's trying to be judged by the color, not by the color of his skin, but by the content of his character, that I want to be seen. So my lives matter because I'm a human. I'm a human first, not a black human. And I won't let anybody, even Black Lives Matter, reduce me to my pigmentation. So I push mm-hmm. back all the time because, yeah. I, because who, my, my pigmentation, if that's what you see me first as, now you, you will follow all the suits of what they say we are. And we are a lot more than what we've been tried to be classified with. So that's, that's a, a, an abbreviated version of my truth, of my pain. I get pain. I've been stopped while driving while black. I've been stopped while driving while black. As a police officer, I, I've been in the military where they say we got the color is green, and I've been in the in the police department they say the color is blue. But in those same institutions, they say, but there's a dark green and a light green and a dark blue and a light blue line. Racism has found its way into everything. It happens yeah. in athletics. Yeah. It happens in hiring and firing. And so the systematic piece that we're talking about now is real to the point where you say, is it a problem? It's a real reality. But so are some of those other issues that I named about incarceration, those lives matter. It's a lot of other things that matter also. Yeah, I, you and I have had some discussions uh, through this recent process. I mean, I've got a lot of guys that are friends, have made black folks, and for years, like yourself, you hear stories about stupid stuff mm. that takes place in their lives based on skin color mostly, I would say, sometimes just stupidity <laughs> in the police force. Um, are, are, are folks really feeling this on a regular basis, or is this a spotty problem? Is this regular? It's, it's reality, particularly in some of the more the – well, just whatever law enforcement and people interject, inter, inter, interact, historically, for historically, you know, the, the first law enforcement individuals in America were individuals who were enforced to bring slaves back from that were, that were escaping from plantations. And so traditionally, the interaction of how police are seen in our community as not supporters, but suppressors, that's real. That's a real reality. That's yeah. my truth. I can attest to that because I can remember as young as, you know, sixth, seventh grade, when we got transferred to middle school, walking to some of those suburban neighborhoods, you know, slammed on the ground, guns put out, and they're sending a message, conduct yourself. Now, were we throwing rocks? Yes. Were we doing <laughs> something stupid? Yes. Yeah. Did it warrant uh, being traumatized by being, you know, guns pulled out on you and we didn't have weapons? Because they were sending a message. They sent a message when I was in high school driving my first car through this predominantly, you know, integrated school and, and we pulled up, we're, we're going fast. Yes. 
We were tripping, yes, but did it warrant us out of the car with guns to our heads and called the N-words, kicked and stomped and saying, you, when you come here, this is how you act. It happened again when I was in college. It happened again when I was a police officer in the wrong neighborhood or the right neighborhood with the wrong pigmentation. As late as 2006, when I told the story of Ray Hilbert, when I was in Los Angeles speaking right after the Super Bowl win in, in, in 2006, I was proud out to speak one of the most affluent communities in California, data community. I'm pulled over, pulled out the car, gun to my head. They told me, what you doing in this neighborhood, N-word. I told them who I was. They told me to shut the F up and talk to all I was talking to. They kept me on the ground when it was hot. People walked by and they almost like posed to, to say, yeah, we got a big one. One of them came up to me and said, you a big one, ain't you? We don't get me to your kind. They put, handcuffed me, put me in the car, took me to the guy's house that I was supposed to be meeting for dinner because he had sponsored me to come to the city. And he had given me his address and I'm driving around in this community, big old house, looking for the address. So that's why they stopped me. They say I was looking suspicious. They take me out, they leave me in the car. He comes to the car, identifies me as the chaplain of the coats, a pastor, in the city to speak and the guy says he was driving around suspicious and we stopped him and the police officer says we just can't be too careful to that the individual responded you're right we can't he not say are you okay my shirt is dirty from on the ground i have white jeans on i have my coats blue and white t uh, shoes on the, the officer didn't say i'm sorry he didn't say i apologize he said, he took me back to my car, gave me back my driver's license, and looked at me and told me to have a good day. Oh I my. had to drive to the house of the people in this real affluent neighborhood and put on the dog and pony show. I had to talk. And so for me, it's, it's that trauma of they keep you in the barricade. That's what I think people are screaming about. This, this week, when we, uh, I do this thing called Man Cave. And Martin Luther King uh, made a statement that I talked about in Man Cave, and it really messed some brothers up because Martin Luther King made a statement in reference to the white people are protesting, this raw, this raw mentality of protest. Let me, find, let me find the statement that he made so, so I won't misquote it. He, basically, I was talking about this aspect of humiliation leads to leads to being humble and if we are humiliated sometime it will humble us to know up to know to really kind of search after the things of god and not the things of man yeah and so martin luther king made a statement let me find it because uh i should have had it ready but i didn't even think about what i was going to do it uh because i don't want to misquote it let me find it in my stuff here because it's a real pertinent point that mm -hmm. i want to make in reference to how, how we've come to these conclusions. Here we go. Here we go. He says, 300 years of humiliation, abuse, and the, the, this, this aspect of deprivation, this, this depression, it can't ex can, we can't expect <clears throat> to basically have our voices found in responding in a whisper. 
when a person is depraved or depraved, deprived uh, the, the basic necessities of, 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 of what it takes to work within humanity, when one system has been hearted over another system to control them, to stay within these boundaries of restrictions that they feel that if you leave them, you make us uncomfortable. And so people are yelling and screaming back. So uh, it's a book called White Fragility that my daughter had me read about saying, she said, dad, you have been conditioned to stay in the birdcage. I say, you tripping. I'm a, I'm a free black man. I, I've accomplished some wonderful things. She said, but you still in the birdcage, case in point. Where she got it from, when we drove up to an ATM machine, uh, I wouldn't get out the ATM machine if a white woman was standing out there because I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable. And my mm. daughter said, why you do that? I said, because if I got out the car, watch what happens. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've learned it happened so long, so I stay in the car. She says, Dad, that's a classic example of the birdcage mentality. You yep. drive in a certain neighborhood. When I started my church in Carmel, uh, we, we, I got stopped at least about five times. Every time I drove a different car going to Carmel, I got stopped for tag infraction, for taillight being improper <laughs> signal, for going five miles over. So yeah. this is not somebody telling me what happened. This happens to me. So you yeah. learn when they pull you over, have your hand where they can see it, don't make no sudden moves. I still have my police badge and I still have my sheriff badge as a chaplain. And so I always have them very visible when I pull yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. But I still get that state of panic. I still get that stay in your place. I, I'm still very much conditioned to not to make people, particularly people feel uncomfortable. And, and now I'm breaking out of that cage. I'm saying, I'm done with the dog and pony show. When you, when you show up to survive, it's a different mentality to thrive. And so yeah. we, we've been taught, we, we have to tell our children and the talk. And Ray and I talked about the talk. And the talk is, when you leave the house you, and you're stopped, this is how you conduct yourself as a young black man. You don't talk back. They're not your friend. You, you keep your hands visible. It's yes or no, so no mouthing off, nothing, nothing. Whatever he tells you to do, if he tells you to get out the car and lick the ground, you say, yes, sir. You survive and come home. And when you have a survival mentality like me at 60, it's different when you grow up in the restrictions of you, you belong a certain place. And so Christ breaks you out of those. But so to the point of, is there an issue? Absolutely. It yeah. is an issue. It is a duplicit mentality because when I ask my white brothers, what does it mean to be a white man in America? Not many of them have to answer like I answered. Not many of them have to say, well, you know, is it curly hair? Is it Afro puff? Is it chitlins, greens, black eyed peas, fried chicken? Is it rap, rock? Is it gospel music? Is it, hey, right. Jesus, hallelujah, go over to God? Is, you know, is it scooping? Is it like, what is black? And somebody says, like pornography, you know, you, you can't define it, but you know it when you see it kind of thing. And so I kind of push back saying, well, it's more than a, a, a state. It's a, it's a point of, is it colored? Is it African American? What do we say? What is what's politically correct? What's going to be offensive? What it's like? It's a conglomerate. My white brothers say, you know, I never really had to define that. I never really had to kind of think about it in that context. Then I also asked them. I say, well, you know, when you hear things like, uh, you know, privileged and and I don't have me. I didn't grow up around a lot of black people, and I feel I feel bad about that. I'm thinking. Why you feel bad for, for why God started you out? 
Now, yeah. And you know better, do better now. But then don't don't apologize for where you come from. Be grateful for that. Thank God right. that you you had a beginning, and now mm-hmm. you just got a continuance with new people and new experiences. And don't let where you've been thwart or deter you or make you feel guilty that where you come from. So just be proud of that. Be happy of that, and be open to listen and learn. And so this piece of depravity, this the, the, this depression mentality is what they pushing and people are pushing back because none of us want to be depraved. Yeah. None of us want to be humiliated, but we use the humiliation in the midst of humbling ourselves to let me know I'm no better, no worse than anyone else. I'm the good Samaritan. I'm that brother that can relate to, 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 to that brother that is, is in the ditch because I've been in the ditch. Yeah. You know, I'm the good neighbor that helped uh, and I know what it is to be discriminated against. And so you have a different compassion. Maybe the Good Samaritan could relate to the, the Samaritan, the half-breed, the, the, non, the non-individual. And people who don't come and live behind castles and walls and don't touch common people a lot of the time, you know, they have to be, maybe maybe they have to be dethroned or de- come down here with us human folks for a while. And that doesn't make them this deplorable piece of that's where they started. They just have to know the world is bigger than where they come from. And I think for the first time to have a conversation like this at this deeper level with my brother, like you is rich that we can talk about it. And I'm not mad. Not I'm upset. Do I understand the pain? Yes. But I also know that the majority of people that stepped up for me ain't been white, black people. They've been white people that step support our ministry. They've been white people that help book me and, support us. They've been white people in white churches that, that still to this day yeah. support the inner city work that we do. I-Town is stepping up for us. Guys like Ray Hilbert. So many of my brothers who just happen to be white that have spent I mean, thousands of dollars to help us. And you know, the majority of the resources that help me don't help people like them. Yeah. There are people who look like me, the children in the schools that I've spoken in right. and the people coming out of prison and that relatability to that piece of a thank you that you in this fight with us. You, you, you're the unknown heroes behind the, the, the life of I have. And so some of my white, my black brothers will say, well, you just sold out to them. Well, listen, what, however you want to articulate it, they loving me. They helping yeah. me. And the oh, yeah. treasure is where their heart is. And it's out of their mouth and in their hands and into mine. So you do a whole lot of talking. You can protest all you want. But who's going to step up and, and come up with some tangible reality and some substance to help the issues? I want to take a quick break right here. Do you want to get on the path to a healthy lifestyle? Go to FitNutritionDepot.com. Fit Nutrition Depot has a full range of products to help you pursue your health goals. If you need more energy or you want to lose weight, Fit Nutrition Depot has the products to help you pursue a better, healthy lifestyle. Beat that drop in afternoon energy. Stay alert without that sudden slump at the end of the day with liftoff. Are you trying to lose weight? Try one of our quick start programs. They can help support your goal of healthy weight management and nutrition. And our herbal aloe products can help soothe your stomach and support intestinal health. Go to www.fitnutritiondepot.com. Results vary. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.fitnutritiondepot.com. Go to www.fitnutritiondepot.com now. I want to take just a brief moment here to ask you to sign up for our email list. We want to hear from you. We want to give you the information 
that is going to be helpful as we work through these situations, particularly as it relates to this podcast, but to others as well. There's great information that you can get a hold of. Go to politicsisntnice.com. Also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash against nice. And you can check us out on Twitter at against nice. Please uh, go connect with us there. We'd love to get this information to you. There'll be more than what we just discussed on this podcast, and we hope that you'll uh, you'll take advantage of this information. Yeah, and you know, I want to I want to talk a little, get to kind of this uh, taking a knee thing in the NFL because I think people need to understand that. Before I get to that, a lot of people don't understand these chaplains of these NFL teams. You guys aren't just on the sideline on Sunday morning or doing something Sunday night leading up to the game type stuff. There's a lot going on. And I've seen this with you. Your ministry has really affected a lot of young people in particular in seriously problematic situations. And for 30 years of being the the chaplain of the Colts really gave you a platform to speak into some young people's lives in way that in ways that might not have ever happened for them and really affect a lot of people. And you needed all this help and support that you get to be able to do that. And it's been a tremendous and transformative for so many young people. We went to a church together in Indianapolis that was really an inner city church. We always, I, I, you might remember uh, a lot of black folks that call it a white church and white folks that call it a black church, you know? And it's yeah. like, no, it was just a church that was taking care of kids in inner city Indianapolis that were really in serious right. situations. You've been doing that so long and to such great effect. I think people don't understand that about these chaplains that are of I these mean, NFL been, teams. And I've been specifically in cross-cultural ministry for 35 plus years. Yeah. And so this part, this is not a new argument, new discussion for me. To the kneeling point initially, and, 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 and I'm not going to back up on my initial assessment of when I saw it, was this aspect of division. And so I, I, my, 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 my whole mantra, and still is, together we stand, divided we fall, we're in this thing together. And I saw it as divisive versus unifying. And so what I love was when I saw Seattle uh, linking arms, and they start linking arms together and a sign of solidarity against it. And so the attention that was brought because of the kneeling became politicized and Mm -hmm. got associated with the flag. And I think that's where it got off is when it got associated with disrespecting the flag versus police brutality. What on the back end with the kneeling being associated now with what Colin Kaepernick did, Colin Kaepernick didn't kneel because of the oppression. Colin Kaepernick kneeled to bring attention that he had issue with what was going on. And so now it's been metaphorically connected together. But initially, I saw it as divisive, and I'm not about anything that divisive. Because, you know, controversy leads, and people lead with pain, and it accomplished its goal. It, it brought attention, and I think that's what people do. They, they galvanize the attention of the negative to, to exploit. They, not many people saw the unification things that, that were going on in the NFL at the time. They didn't see us kneeling and praying after every game. They yeah. just, never, you never saw any of that, kneeling and right. praying together as different teams. We, we, we were doing that. Uh, Reggie White started it decades ago. And, and so brothers kneel before the game and pray. 
Yeah. Most of the game. And, if, and so now, because now you can't kneel before the game because now it's been associated with something negative. And I'm thinking that's the same thing with going on with, with all the, the monuments destruction, my wife and I. And I'm going to get some major pushback for a lot of this. But this is my <laughs> truth. Yeah. And I'm like, when does it stop? Like, stop. Let people, if people want to spend money and their resources to celebrate what they think is important, let them do it. Because what you know what's next, right? The Martin Luther King Monument. Oh, yeah. The Ten Commandments have already been banned. Yeah. So it's never, listen, bro, it's not going, and it's already started. The Washington Redskins, now if it's not, so if somebody got an issue with what you're doing, they can, they can make some noise, create some controversy, and what was a positive can now be switched to a negative. And now that's all we're responding to is trying to be politically correct. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to push back by trying to continually being uh, controlled by fear of what you're going to think about what I say. My God. Oh, it, 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 they're, they're tearing down stinking Frederick Douglass statues. You know, I think the most. It's not going to stop, bro. No, it's not. And listen, what the, the amazing thing about that is that I think Frederick Douglass, if you really study him closely, what you find out is he spoke uh, in the most clear fact. And frankly, we haven't had as clear a voice since about what the real issues were. The great thing about Frederick Douglass, and you can say whatever you want about the personal life of Martin Luther King, and I mean, some of that may be real or whatever, but he was still a great figure in this country that we need to honor and respect. Really? He was, he was a homonger. Oh, yeah. He was, he was a it was bad. He dated the first person that he, he had a serious relationship with was a white woman. I yeah. Mean, actions. He was, he was chosen as, as the leader because he was a great orator. The brother yeah. could speak. He was very loquacious and really great with the English language. And yeah. he was the right age. He was handsome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but all that, his peaceful but, approach, he got it from Gandhi, all that. But if you disqualify him on his negative, no, you can't. Down his side, his, he's next. No, and what, so what you find out is that those two men, what they did mm. as they were speaking truth about what was going on is they appealed to the principles of the Declaration and the Constitution to say, let's fulfill this. And then Frederick Douglass, whose life really was good and honorable and respectable on a personal level, everything we know about it. All we've researched so far, I can't find many blemishes. I can't, I, I I can't find the dang one, a, you know. He's one of the pictures that I have painted of what yeah. I call, if I could meet uh, 10 people in the past, he'd be right up there. One of oh, the my gosh. He do. would be. And, and it is sad that in our uh, society, all these great men that we should and do honor – uh, we don't we don't place him up there with a Washington and a Jefferson and a, we need to because but what is beautiful about Frederick Douglass I think one of the most beautiful things that he ever did was in that speech he gave I think it was in 1875 in honor of Abraham Lincoln he mm -hmm. talked about all the weaknesses of Abraham Lincoln but he also praised the man as the only man who could have gotten this done now you could have taken whatever prejudices about him or things that he was short-sighted about you know he talked about the fact that when it came to to the true race cause that he was slow and plodding and wouldn't move but he said but when it came to the things that mattered he was swift and powerful and you know and he says because he had to as was his requirement Lincoln had to consult 
with the political realities of the time, and the man moved every bit. Listen, Frederick Douglass had the most clear vision of America that we need to get back into in this time as a way to get some perspective. You're the first person that I've, I've done an interview with, had a talk with, that his name has even come up. Yeah. Most people yeah. Just, like, we forget some of the patriarchs. Oh, my gosh. Of, 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 for the cause and for, yeah. for justice versus oppression. You know? Right. I mean, Eugene, uh, 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 you know, you got, you got Booker T. Washington. Oh, yeah. Um, there's so many great men who spoke into this problem in our society who had clear thinking and no one's talking about them at this moment when they should be most talked about. And Frederick Douglass, chief among them. This should be the man that we're quoting constantly. And I'm going to tell you, the people that have particularly Black Lives Matter, the people at the top of that organization, they're not going to talk about Frederick Douglass because they have a political motive. They're about... They're, they're, they want to change our society. But Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington, um, um, I'm forgetting one guy's name, and, um, and Martin Luther King, they all are appealing to the ideals that got this country off on the right foot that if we ever fully bring into place, we'll, we've already transformed world society, much less our own. And just think of what would happen beyond that throughout the world if we ever – completely fulfilled these ideals well that's my hope and that's my prayer when when i uh are talking about this you know uh we had uh, building our church we had a lot of people feel uncomfortable with some of the dialogue that we're having Mm -hmm. and so and so galatians 6 9 for me is my response let us not become weary in doing good at the proper time we reap a harvest if we do not give up and my my statement to them was interest does what is comfortable and convenient, but commitment mm. does whatever it takes to get the job done. Mm-hmm. I was praying that day for power to persevere even when it's not comfortable and convenient because I'm trying to learn to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and so they said, what do you think we need to do? I'm thinking, first dialogue, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it and listen to understand and not judge. Yeah. Have a have a mentality that we start with God's word. We got to show up with three T's: time, talent, and treasures. You got to be intentional to help out. You got to serve. Bump into one another. See, you're being intentional with interviewing me today because we're brothers. And mm. so intentionality, I say it's like when the first time I saw my wife, man, she was above my pay grade. You saw how beautiful she was. And yeah. 37 years ago, oh my God, this girl was just, oh, oh. change hardly. I wanted to intentionally get to know her. So I had to walk past the comfort zone of, of maybe being rejected, looking uh, stupid. And even though I'm a fine black man, I still had some insecurities. So I, I pushed past all my insecurities, went up and asked her her name. I got to dance with her. And 37 years later, I'm still dancing. My neighbors yeah. next door, when they moved in, <clears throat> Most people didn't want to go say hi to them. Mom and I, we pushed past our comfort level. We went and got some, some pound cake and a real nice candle. We went over and introduced ourselves as your neighbors. And, and my tree just fell over in his yard Sunday and crashed his fence because we brothers and homeboys. He, he ain't upset. I'm going to pay for his fence. I'm going to love on him. And we're going to keep moving because 
We have to we have to be intentional. We have to leave our comfort zone. When's the last time you 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 had somebody over for dinner? When's the last time you went to a black church? I've been going to all these white church quote white churches and speaking. Yeah. You come to my church. Be intentional. I yeah. always got to come to you. You need to come to me. I mean, with a guy from Itown tomorrow about templating out some pros and processes for us. This aspect seek justice over justification, and officers mm. must understand you got to not only <clears throat> serve and protect, but you do have to keep law and order. But it's both and, not therefore. Yeah. It, it, you can't have reckless, riotous, stuck on stupid people that their agenda is to hurt, the maim, destroy, because they're hurt, maim, and feel destroyed. You have to create order, and it has to be law, and it has to be to serve and to yeah. protect everybody. It's this aspect of kindness. Mm-hmm. Kindness is something that you see in your face, it's in your eyes, it's in your smile. Show up and just smile. Like, mm-hmm. dude, it's like Christians call themselves Christian. They look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. Yeah. <laughs> if you're happy, notify your face. Just yeah. be kind to people. And so you're part of, not, not once that says be nice in the Bible. It says be right. kind. And right. so sometimes you need to, like, teach people not to spit on you. Our, our mentality of, you know, it's like, my my grandmother say, well, I came home, the guy spit on me. And she said, baby, did it make you mad? I said, yeah. She said, why you get mad? I said, because they spit on me. She said, baby, it didn't make you mad, it make you wet. You had to choose to get mad. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. It's rude to spit on She said, I didn't tell you that. I didn't say it wasn't rude. You have to teach them how to, you have to teach people not to spit on you, but the response is not up to you, not up to them by how you respond to how well someone treats you. You yeah. have to be kind. You have to be an individual that rise above someone who's ignorant. That's why I believe Martin was, was, was remembered because of nonviolence. Yeah. He let the ignorance of their improprieties and inactions sh- overshadow what they were mad about, about the pigmentation. And so he understood that piece. And lastly, I got a, a whole lot of them. And the break out of all the bird cages that we have. Most of us have been conditioned to stay in one community, one neighborhood, the one population, to be comfortable with just people who look like you, think like you, act like you. And you have to break out of that cage. The, the gated communities that we go to, when's the last time you went and, and served at a soup kitchen? When's the last time you went and served at a mission? When's the last time you touched the least of these? <clears throat> when's the last time you came down to a black church that tried to do and just sit in the service? You ain't got to mm-hmm. join. Yeah. Just come and support. Was last time, and, and you think about leaving something with your time, talents, and treasure, endowing someone like that's helping kids, that's breaking in your cars tomorrow, help them today so we, we'll give them education, give them a job so they don't have to be forced to only choose to do destructive things. Let's give them some positive alternatives about what they can go, where they can go. The groups that we work with in the city called Straight Up, our church trying to do Saturday night services for millennials to give them somewhere to go. It's, it's stepping up for single moms and helping them get employment and, and helping them find opportunities. It's helping guys transition out of prison and with their education, pay their back child support, hold them responsible, teach them fathering skills, break those cycles of abandonment and love them. Show them that all men aren't dogs. Show them that there's a different way. Instead of cursing the darkness, let's light some candles. You know, it's interesting. You t- talk about our intentionality with this interview right now. People wouldn't know this about you and me 
uh, by watching this because we are being intentional about this topic. But I mean, you and I hardly ever talk about race. We talk about the gospel. We talk about men being men, for example, and how to be a good man, uh, yes, what families are about. I mean, yeah. it, it, for you and me, this is like, I mean, we've had discussions like this, but I mean, it's just been very spotty. We've lived our lives together as friends talking about these bigger issues, how mankind needs to hear the good news of the gospel and the hope yes. for the future. You know, they tell me when, when I speak, and they say stuff like, man, you sure can speak for, you know, you really uh, very articulate. And I'm thinking, thank you. But do you tell your white counterparts the same thing? It's because yeah. I get the prejudice of low expectation uh, precedes me. But at the same time, because you have a prejudice, low expectation, that anything I say that's excellent make me sound that much better. So I get what perceived by some people is a negative. I see it as a positive <laughs> because yeah. it's like, yeah, you think I don't have what it takes to deal till you hear me. That's not brash. Yeah. That's not egotistical. That's just reality. And they say, you know, it's, I, hear, I, I hear stuff like, man, you, you're really, you're an awesome role model for your people. I'm like, you mean Christians? <laughs> 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 I hope so. I hope I'm an example for Christians. I mean, yeah. So you know what they mean. And so I'm being yeah. so in, the, in my response, but I kind of put them at, 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 at on link by saying, I'm more than what I look like. You know, I'm, a, I'm a role model for everybody, I would hope. Yeah. I've, I've seen you as a great husband, as a great family man, and someone who has uh, just influenced people's lives in the best way that you can. And we've, we've, you and I have been, you know, from time to time when we get a chance just working at, I know I've been trying to get you to a place where you can just speak to people. And I, I didn't think much about the church. I just thought about getting the message out because you're a great witness of truth. And I mean, we, and we, we use the term my truth and, and there's, there's some positive to that in the sense that, I mean, we all have, it's re, what we really mean is my experience and the reality of that experience and what I went through. But, um, but there's truth. I mean, there's real justice um, that's out there. There are the realities of what, how God created mankind and what he wants to speak to mankind, the, the beauty and glory of, uh, of what, uh, what people have gone through um, in their lives and what God wants to give to them through that teaching. And that's what we're trying to communicate to people. That's, that's really the foundation of what we're trying to do here. Well, I hope so, bro. And that, that, that's, my, like, I, 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 that's why I agree to do a lot of these, uh, you know, podcasts and a lot of interviews during this time because there are people who really saying some of my light of you brothers are really saying, Ken, what can we do? They're calling and they're serious. It's not tokenism this time. It's not a sense of let me get the photo op and I'm done. Let me, let me just pimp the pain like everybody else and show that I got some black friends and I'm not racist. And I'm like, okay. So, and so, because you know, when Promise Keepers started and did some things and, you know, when we had the Carolina shootings, it's always been a cycle that people saying, uh, we got to do something and, until the, the attention is off and, and then now we get back to normal. Just like 9-11. 9-11, everybody was cramming and coming to churches and doing house prayer times and, you know, three years later, done. Now, you know, even it's like an afterthought. And so trauma yeah. and drama always has a way to galvanize us because 
the darker it get, the brighter the light shines. Yeah. But there's something happens when the when the darkness is kind of dissipated away, and we make the issues of politicized things take away from the big issue. So now we can talk about you know baby you know police brutality, but we don't need to talk about the billions of babies that are going right. to be murdered if we don't step up and scream about their lives. So we we it's, it's kind of like bait and switch. You know, and so this aspect with COVID going on, people been stir crazy. You can protest, but you can't go pray and worship in church. I'm like, wow, like yeah. somebody, somebody not getting this? Like nope. somebody missing this? Like, am I missing something? I'm telling you, I come from a very kind of liberty-minded, constitutional-minded uh, approach on this. And I think this COVID-19 thing, we, we've had governments shutting people down. And the reality is, People are smart enough to make a good decision to care for their elderly in this case or that are really affected. And, and I am really amazed in the church how so many leaders have acted in such fear, it seems to me. And I'm not, I'm not trying to diss on all of them. Some of them were truly being prudent. But, but what, what's the government doing shutting the church down? This is what we need the church the most. I concur. And I'm in, I'm in that Cash 22 situation, you know, because lawsuits drive everything. Yep. And all you have to do is just assume that you were and you can file a lawsuit and you have to defend it. And so, you know, most attorneys don't really work for justice. They work for pay. And so right. it's not about right or wrong. It's what we can prove. And so I get the, the, the aspect. Then I get our overseers and the people saying, okay, let's not put our people in harm's way and let's operate within common sense. And so it's like, okay, you don't know what to do. I, I went to the gym today or you go to these restaurants. They say, well, wear a mask in, but you can take it off. So I, walk, well, so I have my, my mask in my pocket. And so I put the mask on my face to walk in the gym. And as soon as I got past the corridor, guess what I did with my mask? I took it off because 90% of the people in the gym had their mask off. So yeah. why'd you have me wear the mask in there? To, to, to cover yourself in case I get sick, I took it. <laughs> so was it that you really cared about me and that, and that, the, the, that if you care about me, the profit from me is, as long as you're profiting from me, it's cool. As long as I cost you more than dealing with me, then you don't want to deal with me no more. So it's <laughs> right, not about right. you trying to protect me. This is about you not being penalized right. because of the political environment that exists beyond the conversation. So it's like, okay, I'll go, I'll jump through the hoops to get along. But it's what are you really saying to me? So if I have to wear the mask the whole time, then it, it sends a different message. Maybe you are more concerned about my health than the appearance mm -hmm. of, of, my, of, of providing a safe environment for my health. Right. So that's the pushback, even with the praise and worship and all these other places you can go gather. And so now, will they let football come back because football and athletics uh, is profitable and how do they do that? And so can you still stay as profitable, keep people at home and charge them pay-per-view? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. Like, it's like, so for me, I'm loving this kind of stuff because, you know, in the past, you and I would probably have to drive together, sit down someplace and talk. So now I'm, I'm Zooming with people from Africa. I'm Zooming with people from Dallas and a man cave thing. I got people I'm connected to, and it's probably not going to go back because I trust God works all things for the good. Yeah. And so there is some 
some aspects of, of, of distancing, social distancing or technology that's needed, but nothing beats when I get to hug you. Oh, nothing yeah. Get to sit down and talk together and converse. That's not going away. And so that's that piece of them trying to control us, these germaphobes and all these people that right. the sky's falling, that has these resources to pimp the pain and the process to profit from us. Then that's what we push back from. And so we got to exercise common sense in this too. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Now, you know, when you think about these issues and how government reacts and the situations that we're in, there's, there's a discussion. I, I want to shift this to a discussion related to justice. Cause I mean, we're talking about, I, I love how you said, because I keep saying this, on my, it's like we're brilliant minds running on the same channels. Um, I talk all the time uh, about the fact that the Bible does not tell us to be nice, but there is, and, and it does tell us to be kind, but there's one other thing that Micah 6, 8 tells us to do other than to be humble before the Lord. You, you caught the humility piece there. Tells us to do justice. So we've got this discussion about social justice. Here We hear this thing of social justice. Um, I, I, I find that that particular concept is about me imposing something that I think is fair upon you, meaning the collective you, and, and you must do it right for me. But when we read scripture, when we look at just basic aspects of rationality, reason, understanding of truth, there really is a justice that's beyond something we can impose upon society for some particular purpose. There's real justice out there. How, how do you wrestle with this concept of social justice compared to God's ultimate justice? One of my responses is to seek justice over justification. And to me, when I think of justice, it's, it's, it's all of us, quite frankly, based on our, our, our sin nature and our, our propensity to be selfish, self-centered, deserve of the penalty of, 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 of the consequences of a lot of our choices that many people never see. With that said, grace and mercy represents justice from a God's perspective. It, it's a place that God covers us when we're not worthy to be covered. It's when we are protected, even in the midst of, 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 of our stupidity. Justice for me is that officer who nailed and killed Floyd deserve the same grace and mercy that all of us do. He, he deserves the forgiveness of God. He, he deserves the same blood that covers a multitude of everybody else's sin. That, that same love, mercy, justice that covers him also. And that peace that, that we forget is that, that all of us in some level have something that could disqualify us, but through the grace and mercy or the justice or the covering of an awesome God, saves us, delivers us, gives us capacity yeah. to be more. And so that's my piece. My, did my picture go away? No, I hey. see you. Okay, when I get the phone call, this thing, my phone tries to answer. Uh, 
Gotcha. So, bro, and so this aspect of a justification, it's almost like we justify why someone else's sin, hurt, pain is is more significant or more of, of, of like has more bearing than 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 mine or ours. It's a duplicity, it's hypocrisy to me. Because we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. I heard T.D. Jakes, and he said something my wife and I was listening to, and he was talking to his congregation. He says, everything's in the world is in the house. There's, there's drug addicts here. There are mur ex-murderers. There, there are homosexuals. There are rapists. There are pedophiles. There are you know, heroin addicts, they are rape. He went down this long list of individuals in the house. They're ex-murderers, they're, they're ex-felons, they're, you know, they're a, 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 a priest and king. But he, he, his list was more from the negative perspective of what we see as these people, you don't necessarily associate them with church. Right. People who've had abortions, it's brothers who have abandoned their children, uh, mm -hmm. they're swindlers, they're, they're liars and cheaters. And he says, you know what they need to be? Right in this church. Yeah. God's grace and mercy covers them. They, this is not a place that we have a, a museum for, quote, saints. This is a hospital for sinners. Mm. And this aspect of justice, you know, it's a penalty. Flip flip side, the flip, the balance of justice. It is penalty. It is penance. It is repentance. It is ownership. It is this place that you go to understand that there are wages for sin. There is a price for stupidity. There are lines that you don't cross in humanity and, and, you, and, and that we all have to pay the price. Justice is paying. It's, it's paying for your stupidity. It is owning that there's a consequence. My son, when he went to prison in relationship to uh, triple homicide, experienced both forms of justice from me. He experienced <laughs> a dad who never gave up on him, who will always love him and support him. And the same dad said, because you were involved with it, you need and you should go to prison for what you did. Didn't affect my love for you, my hope for you, my empowerment for you, but you should go to prison. And what you did has a penalty that you should pay for on this side of eternity. Mm -hmm. And until you get on the other side of eternity, that's between you and God. But as for man, men need to be taught that there are consequences for your choices that step over humanity's bound lines, guidelines, or, or boundary lines. And the issue is that man keep moving the damn lines. Yeah. They keep moving them. Yeah. And they, they apply them to certain scenarios and not other scenarios. Right. They rationalize them. They erase them from the standpoint of this applies to you and not me or not we. And so that's not fair in the just judicial systems. That when I, And one of the main reasons I left the police department because I saw it more for, they were about enforcing the law and order and not protecting and serving. It wasn't a balance to me. And I, and I didn't want to be a part of a systematic oppression that disproportionately 
incarcerated and, and kept one generation or one classification of people down with one set of justice rules. Right. And another one for the other set of people. So yeah. I, I don't know if I articulated it from the standpoint of no, a I, I think, or uh, just a dumb jock <laughs> athlete dude that talking out of his heart and not in, in, in some of his head. No, listen, I'm, I'm firmly for a lot of these ideas of uh, criminal justice reform and police reform that are out there. I think that they, that we need, I think this defunding the police is the stupidest thing that I ever heard at all. You want to create anarchy. Yeah. Let, let demons understand they don't have consequences to their choices. Yeah. Heck yeah. No, that's right. And, and so I, I'm, I, I, I want to get rid of qualified immunity. I don't, I don't, I, 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 I can see a cap on it and let them get insurance. I mean, shoot, your insurance agent has to buy errors and omissions uh, coverage to cover if he screws up your coverage on your house, for example. So, you know, there you get, these are things that hold and they will really hold the worst accountable, not the best. So this is a real uh, thing that we have to do. But, you know, I, I look at this big issue and I think you articulated it pretty well, frankly, uh, very well, actually. But, you know, God's justice is real. So, I mean, in God's justice, we are all guilty before God. But his justice also expresses itself through his grace and mercy because Jesus became the perfect um, sacrifice for all the sins of mankind. And if we receive that, then he isn't unjust in forgiving us with his grace and mercy because the payment and for the penalty is there. We're still guilty for our penalty, but yes. the payment through Jesus is there. So, but for us to condemn all people is outside of his justice because we were originally guilty of it all. Yes. And, and so we need to express that mercy and grace. But like you said, it shows up in this thing with your son. You know, if he's guilty of something, you got to pay the price for that. Yeah, you but you go. still got to have the love and the, the look for a future. I think ignorance of the law does not nullify the law. And because you didn't know better to do better and you did wrong does not exempt you from having that you should have known better. And that there is a higher justice, there is a higher law of order that you're called to that surpasses your ignorance. And so your ignorance is not a defense to, to, right. to justice, the, the ultimate aspect. So it's how you define it. I, and I get it. These are one of these, these, these debate versus dialogue conversations that right. we have to step back and say, okay, you know, it's this girl that was raised. It's like it's, it, the lines, it's, just, it's crazy how, you know, does, if a person's raped, by someone who was a murderer and you don't want to have the baby and you want to, you want to kill the baby versus you want to keep it. And I'm yeah. saying, is it murder? Yes, it's murder. Do I understand why a woman would be in a situation that she would make that choice that would be devastating? And am I her judge? No, but do I do, is it still not murder? It's still murder. I yeah. mean, it's still murder. The, 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 does, does the, does the circumstances, you know, be, the look past the extenuation of what happened, and I'm at, if I'm that child in the womb and I, I, life is brought, does it matter how, even a, as egregious as it was? Now, that's easy for me to articulate in my, my, my throne of, of self-righteousness or this place of I ain't have to deal with the consequences of having to deal with it. But my mentality, that's this point. It's like, can you hear that the truth is still the truth? And if the baby wants to be born, and if you know life the way you know it now, what would you decide to do if I asked you that question? 
if that right. was your mom and you and you could choose based on what you know now, what would you choose? And yeah. I'm going to tell you in my integrity, I want to live. I want to experience this. Yeah. So am I selfish to want the, the benefit of life that I now experience it? And did I not have that same choice when I was in the womb and couldn't speak for myself way back when? So that's that piece that we keep going to in this abortion piece on partial abortion, all these, these things that now... It's not about like common sense anymore. It's not about law and order. It's about what we can prove or what seems. It's like we miss something in the comments yeah. about and, and, what is just right and what is just wrong. And we miss that in this whole debate that we're having publicly right now. That's why I like this, and I'm going to share it at this point uh, in in the in the uh, podcast. But this wokey McWoke face, you know, I love this video. I love what they're saying. It's like. Listen. Hey, Wokey McWokeface. Quick question. This black life mattered. But doesn't this one? We know this black life matters. But why doesn't this one? We believe that all these black lives mattered. And tens of millions of others too. Murdered in the most dangerous place in this country for any black life. A womb. Murdered and dissected and sold. We believe that each and every human life matters because every human life, regardless of culture or color, is crafted in the sacred image of Almighty God, which is the only possible reason why any life could matter at all. We believe that secular progressive white supremacists have been running a vile and genocidal population control campaign against blacks in America that has straddled centuries, trying to keep them from life, from adulthood, from power, from stable families and communities. And that matters. We believe that the organization Black Lives Matter, registered trademark, is a Marxist front that doesn't care about black lives even half as much as an average white pro-life flyover Trump voting evangelical. Every single black life matters, from conception to the grave and beyond into eternity. That is God's truth. And it's a hell of a lot more than BLM can say. This shouldn't be hard, but clear thinking is rare these days, especially on college campuses. All lives matter. All black lives matter. All. Behind a badge. On the street. In the womb. Philosophy matters. Theology matters. History matters. Thinking matters. Learn to think in unthinking times. New St. Andrews College. Clear thinking, clear teaching, in person this fall. It's like, listen, you're talking about uh, Black Lives Matter. Frankly, they all do, just like everybody's lives matter. But we're, we're forgetting that some aspects of, the, of this whole discussion here and the, the unborn being mercilessly uh, taken out of of any opportunity for life, and we forget some of these things that really, really matter. Of course, we're human beings. We screw up the debate all the time. We constantly misdirect or misinterpret or misunderstand, and then we go to this thing that seems so important to us, and we forget the bigger perspective of really what matters. And and I want to right here. Um, you and I, when we first talked about, as this thing was just rising up, 
and I gave you a call and I was like, what do you think, man? And we talked about doing this podcast. You mentioned something I thought, and I hope people will do more often that, yeah, let's talk about the issue, but let's talk about the hope. So what's the hope here, Ken? What, what message would you give to people to say, you know, here's, here's where we can go. Here's really what's at stake and how we can get there. How, how would you share that with people? Faith over fear, love over hate. Let, let, listen, dude, love covers a multitude. And just stop and really celebrate authentic relationships with people that you have that are different than you. I, 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 that's, I, I, when I stopped and really thought about all the people who I know that really love me, I was overjoyed. I was blessed. I was like blown away. I really was. I mean, is that that love me? It's not tokenism. It, do they fully understand my history and pain? No. But do they love me regardless? Will they show up? Have they shown up for me? And that piece of if you're gonna study history, study all the history. Just study all of it. Yeah. And 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 come to the table with an understanding that if you really think about it, we really are better together. We really are. Yeah. And that yeah. the author of the division is a divisive force that really understands if we really do come together, they can't stop us, Jack. They can't, they can't stop us. It's like that mentality of a of a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, right? He prowls around the, the devil. He's like a roaring lion. A roaring lion only makes a whole lot of noise because he's afraid of jackals. Yeah. <laughs> Older jackals, man, they get uh, when a lion roar, that means that's the lunch bell. Because yeah. lions generally roar to intimidate the younger jackals to let you know don't come around here. But older jackals, they run to the roar because they got lunch. Keep roaring. So keep roaring these, these movements that's roaring against injustice, that's roaring against all the things that try to divide us. Because you know what it's doing? It's galvanizing us communities. It's galvanizing guys like me and Ray Hilbert, me and Jim Path, me and some of these pastors who traditionally have been helping. They, and they ain't just one-hit wonders, but we're coming back and they got a new way to listen. I, it's, it's galvanizing me and my ignorance because I'm at, dude, if I as a black man am ignorant to a lot of these issues, I can't imagine what my white constituents are dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very ignorant. So I get it. So now we get to talk about it. And then, isn't it a good thing that we're shining some tremendous light in the midst of darkness? Mm -hmm. so now churches are showing up. They are coming. We're, I'm, I'm breaking out the birdcage mentality myself. People are breaking out their traditional cages. They're being comfortable. Brothers are extending themselves to me now and coming. My white neighbors are saying hi. Dale and I did a huge a prayer thing at, at our school and half of the community came out. We're doing another. We did a prayer, we did a prayer chain at Martin Luther King State Park. And 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 uh and it's like well John F. Kennedy did his speech in 1968 when Martin Luther King was assassinated and there was no violence. So we we I got some of my pastor buddies and about about 350 people showed up out there and we just prayed and we kneeled mm -hmm. in front of the Lord and we kneeled and asked for forgiveness and loving one another. And we're planning some praise nights and we're praying sometime that 
we just go get together. We're at Shepherd Community and some of the other communities are, are, are getting food banks now and they're stepping up and helping. And so keep on, keep on roaring, devil. Just keep roaring. Keep on roaring. So, so basically what you're, you, what you're saying basically is you can't tear down enough statues to fix the problem. You can't, bro. And, and, and screaming and yelling is only going to make us come together more. Yeah, it's, that's right. Bro, it's, it's, listen, I, 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 I'm loving I'm loving where we're at. And so I'm loving the healing aspect of what's happening to me. I'm loving that we're talking about hard things that we traditionally want to push under the rug. And mm-hmm. now it's coming out. We got some, we got some uh, brothers that uh, I've been doing some Zoom call with, and some of them have traditionally been in an all-white Bible study type setting. So they asked the brother to come in and start talking about some of these issues, right? And so I've been going in and talking, and it's just been so healing. So affirming, no judgment, none of this. It's just he just saying it because he's heard or pain. It's a true understanding, and so now they've been zooming in on our Monday on on our Monday morning man cave, and it's just been really awesome to see these barriers that the devil has put up to try to keep us separated. But because of it, we're now coming together. I think it's a great. I I, th- I really believe that good can come out of all this oh, if we'll all just take our responsibility to look for call, it. When you call, he works it for the good. He, he, yeah. didn't say, he didn't say it would be good to yeah. go through it. He said it would work for the good. All right, right. It's going to work for the good, dude, always. You know, it's like when our church got shut down, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, we're a new church. What's going to happen? The, the good is we got our infrastructure together. We're getting our streaming together. We got, uh, we're thinking outside the box. And and we're still getting people saved. We're still helping people. We, now we got capacity to food, do food pantries and deliver to people and help people. Yeah. And what you thought you would shut down, only you help magnify. Yeah, that's right. Well, before we close things down, Ken, how, how can folks connect with you, find out about what you're doing, and, and frankly help you? Newrightschurch.us. Uh, we're at 465 East. 86th Street. We meet on 1030s right now. Stream service. In Indianapolis. Just so for some folks will hear the south side. Indianapolis, uh, 462-40. Uh, you can hit me up on my Facebook page, uh, Ken Johnson, or newheistchurch.us. Inbox me. I, I always get back to people, not promptly, because I, be, I don't live on it, but I will, get, I will check it probably at least once or twice a day, maybe. But definitely three <laughs> or four times a week. And yep. I'll get back with you. Oh, just come by. Give me, give me your phone number. Let's, let's chat. Let's talk. Let's see how we can maybe sit down and have a cup of coffee. Let me get to know you. I deal with covenant and contractual. Don't yeah. trust anything I say. Verify. <laughs> yeah. Trust but verify. That's now, right. The flip side, trust everything I say is that I'm a man of integrity, but verify. Check me out. Find out people yeah. who know me. Check yeah. out my, my past. Check out all the stuff that we've done. Verify my web. Verify. Just Google Ken Johnson. Just Google Chaplain Ken Johnson. And the hundreds of articles that will come, come up of what we've done in the last 30 years. So we have a, yeah. we have a, a blueprint. I'm not, I'm not some celebrity dude. I'm just a poor black boy from the hood <laughs> trying to make a difference. If you want to make a difference to it, you're watching this and something that we said prompted you to maybe come do something in conjunction with your organization. <clears throat> something you want to do is get in touch with some folks that you've never been in touch with before 
and do some cross-cultural stuff. That's where I live. I live there. I, this ain't new for me. I've been doing this for 37 years. Mm-hmm. And so I want to continue to do it. So I encourage, I thank you, bro, that you use these platforms. And if nothing else come out of this, but just me and you going deeper and some place <laughs> we've gone deeper for, then that's enough for me, bro. And if you can help somebody with this to get some understanding and wisdom from what they've gotten that they may yeah. not have gotten before, then it's all worth it, bro. No, it's totally true. And by the way, I can say, having known you, yeah, I guess about 30 years now. Gosh, I guess it's, it's getting up there. Um, uh, reality is, man, that uh, I know you're a man of integrity. Uh, I know through everything I've been through and I hope back your way, you've been so helpful and uh, that personal relationship has been valuable in my life and I hope I've been able to reciprocate, but uh, folks can trust you. And by the way, I know you're going to be faithful to building your church there, but someone can invite you to come speak somewhere around the country. I know you go there too, and they need to do that. And and, and I'm trying to, I'm raising up um, my brothers, like some young brothers here to give it to them. And I want to, I'm I'm an itinerant. I like to travel. I want to talk about these issues of how we reconcile. I want to deal with solutions. Uh, I'm not a sellout because I go to just as many African-American churches about how to blend Caucasian individuals in their church, about how how an African-American man can lead people who don't look like him and love them and still be right. just as powered by them as, as, as he is by them. And so we are better together. So, and so that's what I want to spend my, my, my legacy to be that I was a unifier and not a divider. Yeah, that's right. So new Heights church, dot us, new Heights church, dot us. I like how you say it that way because that is the right emphasis there. Yeah. Uh, Go and find out more there. Connect with Ken. And uh, brother, I can't thank you enough for uh, taking some time to do this. It really means a lot to me that and you I would. You, and I do, man. You, my brother, and I'm honored, man. Time, My time is my most precious commodity at this time, and I don't mind spending some with you, bro. Uh, I, I really appreciate that and vice versa. So man, God man. bless you, my friend. Thank you so much. All right, now. Thank you for joining us today on the Against Nice podcast. And again, before you leave us, I just want to ask you, Connect with us on our email list and our social media. Go to politicsisntnice.com. Click on the join our email list button. We'll get you information related to what we learned here today, but also um, other information that we're finding out along the way. It'll be a great resource for you. You can also go to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash against nice and our Twitter page at against nice. Go check us out there, and we look forward to talking to you, getting your feedback, finding out more from you. Thanks, and have a great day.